All right, let's get this over with. Sorry. Uh, welcome back to the Dragon's Library, everyone. Today we're going to be reviewing um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I hated this movie. I knew I was going to probably hate it when I went to go see it, but, you know, I wanted to give it a chance. There I am, wishing I'd done literally anything else in my evening. I could have gone to the card shop and played Magic the Gathering. They were having a nice mystery booster draft, but no. <sighs> I could have finished listening to The Last Graduate on audiobook, too. That would have been nice. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, though, something good will actually be coming up on next review. I'm really enjoying The Last Graduate, so we will get to see that. It's a sequel to Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, one of my favorite books. This it's one of my favorite books so far. It's come out this year. Really appreciate it. Really love it. We'll get to hear from that soon. But uh, first, we have to do something horrible. It's like penance. I hate that concept, but, you know, whatevs. Sorry if I don't seem that enthused. Uh, this movie just really, like, sucked. Like, uh, I just knew it was going to be bad to go into it. But I guess let's get started. So, for those of you who don't know, Let Venom, Let There Be Carnage is a sequel to uh, the Venom movie from, what was it, like, two years ago? And uh, for those of you who don't know, Okay, let's just get through this first part. This is an explainer section for those of you who don't understand how the Venom movie is connected to Spider-Man and connected to the MCU and all that stuff. So for those of you who do know, just, um, I guess I'll include a timestamp thing so you can skip skip past this. But uh, for those of you who don't know, a long time ago, Marvel went, bank went bankrupt. In order to get out of bankruptcy, they sold off the movie rights to all their properties. But they split their properties up into individual pieces. So you had, like, the Mutants, which got sold to Fox, and you had Spider-Man, which got sold to Sony. Now, Marvel now owns Fox, thanks to the Disney-Fox buyout thing. Um, but Sony still owns the rights to Spider-Man. Now you're wondering, how is Spider-Man the MCU then? Disney shouldn't be able to use him. Well, Sony and Disney had a deal. Uh, so, so, Sony would let Marvel use Spider-Man the MCU in cameos, and... Disney would help them make a Spider-Man movie. Then Sony would start making a bunch of villain movies all about Spider-Man's villains. Uh, one of the first disease was Venom. Uh, we're also getting that horrible-looking Jared Leto Morbius movie, which just looks utterly trash, and I am dreading its release date. Um, and it's all going to lead up to some kind of Sinister Six team-up movie or something like that. Sony is horrible at this. But Venom was surprisingly fun. Uh, it wasn't good, but it was enjoyable because it was kind of like one of those good, bad, uh, it was one of those bad but fun movies where it's like so bad it's funny and enjoyable as a result. And uh, you had Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, I believe. What was it Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock? Yeah, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, which was actually really good. He's still good in the role, actually, I will say that. Uh, most of the scenes with him are fairly enjoyable. I find him kind of like this weird, like, almost, uh, you know, he, he clearly looks insane to everyone else in the movie and a little bit to us. But it's like, yeah, he also has an alien parasite living in his body and uh, constantly, you know, having to chat with it and everybody looking at him like he's crazy. Which, you know, I do like it. I think he's doing the best he can in this horrible role. Um, I actually kind of wish he had been Eddie Brock somewhere else because he's just that right level of unlikable and pathetic that you want Eddie Brock to be. Um... Because Eddie Brock was, like, originally, like, a supervillain who had his life ruined after he falsely accused someone of being a murderer, and then Spider-Man caught the real murderer, and he grew a fixation, and then Venom attached to him, and two of them went on to become murderous, you know, 
tax fire man ruin his life kind of villains, you know, arch enemy, that kind of thing. But um, later on, as Eddie, you know, got a bit more sanity, he started being more of a uh, anti-hero kind of character, like the lethal protector, which is the, what they're trying to go for in this movie after the origin story of the previous one. And it's just so forced. Like, I liked Venom in the first movie, but he's just so annoying in this one. And I hate it. Like, I don't really feel like... It feels like they're going through, like, you know, a rough passion of the relationship, and it's just like, okay, I can get that. But all the scenes with Venom on his own kind of just made me cringe. Like, not laugh as much as just cringe really, really hard. There's this, this whole scene that I call, I was like, oh, he doesn't understand me. He's talking to, like, these just ravers, and I was just like, oh, my God, so much cringe. This whole, that whole scene was just, like, a facepalm. Ugh. Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So, in this movie, we're going to be introduced, you're introduced to uh, Cletus Cassidy, who is Carnage. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they're the symbiotes, uh, for, for those of you who didn't see the first Venom, but, but know, like, Venom from, like, Spider-Man as, like, a vague thing, because you saw the Spider-Man 3 a long time ago, from the same Sam Raimi movies, Venom is an alien creature that attached itself to Spider-Man a long time ago, not in this universe, but in the comics, um, and Spider-Man got rid of it because it was making it more aggressive, because they're a race that bonds to a host and grants them superpowers, and kind of forms a symbiotic relationship. But a lot of times they bond to people that are a little insane, and that insanity kind of gets passed over over time, so the symbiotes have slowly become more unstable. Um, Venom is kind of one of these slightly more unstable ones. He needs to eat human brains to stay alive, that kind of thing. So he has, he's, he wants to be a hero, but he's also kind of, you know... Uh, needs to murder people or eat loads of chocolate to live. It's complicated, but yeah. So, after the first movie where Venom and Tom Hardy's uh, Eddie Brock decided to, you know, team up and they beat the big bad and then they were like, oh yeah, Venom was totally destroyed, but really he's just leaving, living with Eddie Brock. Um, in this movie, Venom is starting to get a little caged up because they haven't been able to do much superheroes because, you know, there's not really anything to do. Tom Hardy's, uh, I mean, uh, Eddie Brock doesn't want to let Venom just chow down on random street thugs, because that's a bad look, and the FBI is still watching them, so they can't do it even if he was willing to let Venom do it. So he's on, like, a strict chocolate and chicken diet, and driving Venom a little crazy, and so they separate. Meanwhile, Eddie is doing some uh, police work, because he's a formerly famous reporter, and Cletus Cassidy, a horrible murderer whose body, the bodies of the victims still haven't been found, and he's, you know, being abstained from death row until they are found, uh, you know, in case he can give more information to help give closure to his victims. Uh, so he wants to talk to Eddie, you know, reporter, get his news out there, and Eddie and Venom figure out, use uh, some of the crazy drawings and carvings in his cell to figure out where the bodies are actually being found, which means that Cletus is about to go to death. Cletus asks to see him one more time and bites his hand, and Venom is kind of mixed into his blood at the moment, so he actually takes a little piece of Venom, which mixes with Cletus's own blood, and forms a new symbiote called Carnage. Uh, Carnage is basically like a ins even more insane, even more violent, deranged, because he's, you know, attached, symbiotically attached first to a serial killer version of Venom. He's a lot more agile, really regenerative. Uh, shrugs off attacks. He's also a tank and more of like a pure damage kind of character. 
Very interesting, too. Um, and there's this whole moment where I don't really understand why. I'm not sure if there's a reason for it, but uh, Venom and Venom, Venom sort of sees uh, Carnage up close in the movies. Like, that's a red one. I'm not going to find a red one. Apparently, red ones are, like, super scary. It's like, it doesn't come up, though. It's like, they bring up stuff like that in these movies, and they just don't pay it off with anything. It's like, oh, so what, the red, what makes the red ones different from regular symbiotes? Like, what makes them different from the big symbiote, big bad leader that you fought in the first movie? Um... I'm not going to say. Okay, so that statement of it's a red one means absolutely nothing. Because we already fought the, the symbiote leader in the last movie. The red one obviously can't be scarier than him because they must have red ones on the planet. So, like, what was the point of that line? Nothing. It, it served no purpose. <sighs> Sorry, this whole movie just makes me annoyed. Um, I will admit, though, like Tom Hardy, the Wood oh, it's Woody Harrelson who's playing Cletus, actually does do a pretty good job in the role. He sells the whole deranged murderer. Uh, His differences with Carnage and the personality is interesting, uh, where their priorities end up diverging near the end, which which is supposed to separate them from Tom Hardy and Venom, who are supposed to have rectified, but I just couldn't buy it. Like, this movie basically just undoes all the character development they did in the first movie between those two, and then tries to redo it and achieve the same emotional climax of the first movie. It's like, you can't just break what you bro- what you already made whole in the end of the first movie, and then say, oh look, we repaired it again, it's just good as new, it's like, you already did that. It doesn't serve any purpose, you're just gonna keep doing the same trick over and over again. You need to do new things with the characters. And that's the whole thing with the movie. It's, like, the few interesting ideas it has, which has, like, this villain Shriek, who was Cleus's like, you know, only love, the only bright spot in his or- life in an orphanage. Um, and she got taken away because her powers were really dangerous. And he, she believed she was killed, but she was actually taken to this, like, super secret supervillain prison we never really get any background on. And I'm kind of cool with that, actually. I don't really need to explain things like that. I feel like you have enough superheroes running in the background. It's like, of course there are top-secret facilities to both research and imprison some supervillains. That's, that's fair. That's fair game. But, um, and he has this really nice relationship. He has, well, I say nice, more of like creepy serial killer relationship with her. But they do seem to genuinely care about each other. And it's really clear they are the only, like, high points of each other's lives. Um, and I think that's actually handled really well. They have, like, this whole, like, you know, serial killer best friend thing. It's, like, kind of ambiguous. If she died, she gets, uh, trapped underneath, like, this giant church bell as it slams in the ground. It's a little unclear if it killed her or not. So maybe she'll come back. I think she did a good job selling, you know, the whole I've been in prison, I'm angry at the world psycho kind of vibe. Did like that. Um, that's the thing. I like a few of the actors in this. I think a few of the actors are genuinely doing the best thing they can with the role. Tom Hardy's doing a great job with the role. Woody Harrison is doing a great job as Cassidy. Um, what was it? Uh, Naomi Harrison is playing is playing uh, Shriek. That's it. Um, yeah, those those three are doing a great job. Uh, you also get the girlfriend for the previous thing, uh, Anne, and. Um, Dan Lewis is playing, and then you'll get Dan, the doctor who she's married to, and it's just like, I just didn't care about them. Like, I feel like, like, they shouldn't even be here at this point. It's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, Eddie, so we helped you and Venom get together. You guys are going to have a relationship now. You're going to have, you know, this new superhero team-up relationship. 
Uh, you've moved past me. It's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I wrecked my life. You shouldn't be affected by this. Okay, move on. Be happy with your new husband. And there's a moment where she's like getting married, and it's obviously hard on Eddie. But like, there were their their dialogue. She's like, like it really shows that they were in this like completely dysfunctional relationship because there is no chemistry between them at all. Like Eddie's old girlfriend has this whole thing where she's like, like she like she literally calls him to like dinner after like he gets like you know this big new break when he finally finds Cassidy's victims and he's meeting a bunch of attention in the media. And and uh and the Venom's like, ooh, maybe she broke up with her husband. She wants to, you know, you know, or fiance and she wants to be with you now. And no, she's literally just called him there to show him that she's getting married and show him this big old ring. It's like, yeah, it's better than the one I got with you. Uh and there's this moment of like Eddie's clearly broken up about it and she wants him to like, yeah, you know, you this is the moment where you say, I'm really happy for you and I hope you have a happy ever after, even though you don't mean it. And I'm like so you're admitting you don't mean it, and you're kind of rubbing it in his face, and you called him after he's finally starting to put his life back together to remind him of how he f- screwed everything up before with you. Um, and I get it, it was a huge portrayal of trust in the first movie, and he kind of didn't really fully earn it back. They decided to help him anyway, though, because he's kind of pathetic, which is part of, you know, the whole Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock thing, is that he's kind of a loser and pathetic, which he does a great job, the actor does a good job of selling. But I just, that whole scene just felt like, like, Eddie was finally trying to get his life back together. Like, he's genuinely trying to not screw up his life as much as possible. In fact, Venom caused a lot of the problems that make his life a little bit worse than now. And he's really trying to get under control. And then she just throws this wrench into him where it's really clear he's trying to get back on uh, track. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to show you something that I know will visually upset you and I want you to lie about. Even though I know you're trying really hard right now not to do anything problem, I'm just going to make, I'm just going to poke the bear, poke the bear. And it's like, she has no reason to contact you. She hasn't contacted you for months at this point. And it's just like this needless, like, it's either like, I, I just don't get why it happened. Like, they, they obviously kind of hate each other too. And then she goes to help him and I'm like, Weren't you just, like, rubbing it in his face that you're getting a happy ending out of all this and he's still trying to put his life back together? Um, I don't know. I just, like, don't get me wrong. Eddie was, like, a jerk to her. Like, I think they're both terrible to each other. I don't think either of them have any chemistry together. And, like, I'm just wondering why the show is constantly, like, pushing them at each other. I'm like, they're not great for each other. They're both, like, Eddie is kind of a jerk sometimes and he's definitely not stable enough for any kind of relationship, period. Uh, she has a happier life with this other guy who she actually clearly seems to like a lot, uh, despite their differences at times. And I just don't get why she even bothered to call him, because at this point, you know, it'd been like eight months, Eddie had probably come to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to talk to him anymore, after the whole alien thing, and, you know, all the probably partially illegal stuff they did, they just don't want to talk about. And so, yeah, I just feel like, why are they doing this? Um... And it's just to get her back in the movie. She's there for a recreation of the Venom taking her over. And then she's like, why don't you kiss me to transfer it? Like, oh, it's a reference to the last movie. You already did all this nonsense. Like, this, again, they have Cassie as a actually pretty interesting villain. Having Eddie become a reporter again and trying to, you know, solve Cassie's murders. And Cassie uh, getting angry that he's now going to be put to death because his victims have all been found. He can be fully prosecuted. Is actually an interesting twist. I like it if you're trying to set Venom up as a hero. But then you do the whole Venom and Eddie not wanting to work together, even though working together was how they solved the problem of their last movie. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. Like, at all. The, the whole premise of the movie just doesn't... 
Oh, God, this thing is a mess. I, I... Again, it really just... The entire movie boils down to they did most of the stuff that they're they're doing in this movie in the previous movie, and the few new things they're doing aren't given the room they need to bring because they keep bringing back old things like the old love interest and the old fiancé who's now going to be her husband. And it's just like, move that to the side, move forward with the serial killer... Uh, symbiote user and the reporter kind of you know anti-hero symbiote user. That's a good. That's a good conflict. I think Cassidy had some interesting conversations with Eddie. He's like completely unhinged, clearly, and Eddie isn't exactly all there altogether as it is himself. So it's it, it's an interesting dynamic, and I think if they had focused more on that and less than trying to dredge up memories of the so bad it's good movie that they accidentally made good by making it that bad, they might have had something at least decent. Um, but if you're here, um, I'm sorry that kind of bled into spoilers. I didn't really have a good segue there, but from here on out, we're going to be doing spoilers for the ending of the movie. Um, so the movie has Eddie getting, you know, interrogated about it and eventually kind of exposed. I'm not sure if he's fully exposed to Venom. It's very unclear. This isn't a good movie. Like I said, um, Shriek may or may not be dead. Cassidy is dead. Uh, Carnage is dead. So they're not coming back, if you're wondering. No, Carnage isn't going to be a recurrent character. Uh, neither is Cletus. Shriek might come back, which could be interesting. But uh, there's also a big twist. So this is a big warning if you haven't seen the movie. This is actually something that annoys me personally, because I was hoping we could just shove all this stuff off into Sony's little, oh, look, it's Sony trying to make good movies section of the universe. But no, we have to talk about this in relation to the MCU movies now. So if you don't want to hear about that, and trust me, you don't want to hear about this, but uh, I have to talk about it anyway. Jeez. Jeez. Just all of this. Ugh, I hate this movie so much. I hate it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. Uh, okay, that's enough whining. Okay, so... At the end of the movie, Venom and uh, Eddie are kind of just on the run hiding, and Eddie's hanging out on some tropical island or whatever. Uh, he actually managed to get, make some money, apparently. So, he's there, and um, he's, you know, watching some soap operas and stuff like that, and then Venom's like, hey, I can show you some of the uh, hive mind memories and stuff like that. So he tries to access the symbiote hive mind to show Eddie experiences that he could not possibly comprehend. And while he's doing that, the room starts to fade and fizzle. And we think it's, you know, going to Venom's memories or the hive mind memories or whatever. But all of a sudden, the room shifts. And then, on the news, Jane Jonah Jameson is telling the world that Spider-Man is enemy number one because he killed Mysterio. And it's like, oh, gods, they're in the MCU universe. And they're actually very surprised about it, too. I will give them that. Tom Hardy's like, wait, what happened? So Venom's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um... For those of you who don't know the comics, I'm betting this is... Uh, for those of you who do know the comics, I don't know them that well, but I'm willing to bet this has something to do with Null. Uh, for those of you who don't know any comics at all, it was recently, I believe, retconned that the symbiotes were all created by this ancient ancient dark god who's like the original dark god of the Marvel Universe or whatever, um, and that they're tied to a very powerful celestial being in the universe called the dark god Null. And so, like, think what happened is when he was tapping into it, the timeline shifted due to either Loki or to the events of the Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home movie. 
And Tom Hardy and Venom got pulled into a new universe as timeline realigned. And they know and are aware of the di- the difference because, um, you know, either Null or some kind of connection to Spider-Man. Because Venom uh, implied he had a past, which means maybe he this version of him did actually encounter Spider-Man. And they were just being needlessly vague about it. I mean, that wouldn't really make sense when we know about him from the first movie. But then again, when do Sony movies have to be good or make sense? That's for Marvel. And now they're trying to smash the two together. Why do we have to include Venom in the Marvel movies? Can't we just, like, leave Sony to be bad in its own section of its, like, sucky universe? Seriously. Let them keep their dumb Sinister Six team-up movie or whatever. That Morbius movie looks atrocious. I do not want any of this touching the main MCU timeline. Why? Why did Marvel let them do this? Ugh. So yeah, Venom and uh, and Eddie Brock are going to be searching for Spider-Man because now they're interested in this man who's happened to be on the TV and being called enemy number one while they were you know shipped into the universe. Very coincidental. Venom seems to have uh, some sort of psychic connection. He's like, oh, he seems familiar. So you know maybe he's going. Maybe they're going to be in No Way Home. I hope not. Like, I think I think Tom Hardy could be a good Eddie Brock. I don't think he's used well. I don't think his dialogue is written as well in this movie. And I don't want those writers anywhere near Spider-Man 3 No Way Home. I do not. They do not belong in the MCU. Their writing styles are completely different. They're bad. The MCU is mostly very good, or at the very least, average and above. Um... So, yeah, this is a bad movie. You should not go to see it. That would be my recommendation. Don't go see this movie. Don't. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. It's not the somewhat funny and interesting. If you want to see the uh, in-credit scene, you can look it up online. Actually, now, because it was already leaked online. So, yeah, don't go see this. Uh, sorry about that. I know my review... My review's going to be a bit more positive, but I just really could not stand this movie. I was bored senseless. And when it, when it was over, I realized the movie almost, like, only, like... Like, because the movie didn't fully start. I checked the time when it actually... The movie actually started after the credits. It was, like, 9.50 when the movie started. It was only 11. So this movie only ran for, like, an hour and 10 minutes. Hour and 20 minutes. Pretty short, actually. Um, and even then, I was like, oh, finally, it's over. So, yeah, don't go see this. Not a great movie. But... Next time, we get to talk about something good, because I deserve I deserve a reward after that. So I'm going to be talking about The Last Graduate. I'm almost done with it. I've been savoring it. It's a really good book. It's the sequel to Deadly Education. It's a uh, dark fantasy series by Naomi Novik, who does really good dark fantasy. She just does good fantasy fiction in general. Um, she's one of my favorite writers, and I'm really excited to talk about it, so I will talk about that next time. In preparation, if you guys want, uh, you can go find my review for Deadly Education on the site. It'll be listed under my book reviews. So check it out. It's a really good book. I highly recommend it. Totally worth your time more so than this movie. So, yeah. Anyway, I guess I'll see you guys next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. 
If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.